0: Hello and welcome to Talent Ed, a podcast produced by the team at Chapter Two. Today, I'm joined by my friend and former colleague, Amina Falarin. Amina is the Global HR Director for Oliver, the agency that builds in-house agencies for brands. Amina has over 10 years experience in the talent space and has worked with some of the UK's best known media brands, including ITV and The Metro. She has led the HR function at Oliver for the past four years and was integral to the company's rapid expansion, helping the agency to open offices in 27 of the countries around the world. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that Talent Ed is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the major podcast platforms. Please leave a rating and drop us a comment and subscribe. Here's my conversation with Amina in full. Enjoy. I must say, Amina, I mean, you are probably the most amazing HR partner I could ever ask for in oh, my time. Oh, you're too
1: kind, yeah.
0: you, are, you, are, uh, you are a partner and uh, an educator when it comes to all things HR, which is brilliant. And um, I really valued having you by my side when we were opening up all these countries for Oliver. Um, as you know, I've, I've stepped on into this world of employer branding and recruitment and acquisition now. And what I've um, seen in the marketplace and what I've experienced is a massive shift uh, from when I first started this and set out to do chapter two. It was all about the fact that brands had to put out a really engaging content and, and engaging literature out there to to win the attention and entice people to come and work for them. Now, fast forward that to COVID and in august we're going to have in the region of 8.4 million people come off furlough and 800,000 students hit the marketplace i'm really keen to understand from a number of um uh, employer brand professionals what impact you think this is going to have on the employer brand strategies that you're setting out for 2020 and maybe 2021. so so how do you feel that the market's going to change over the next you know few months really and how how did you handle it before
1: I think you know it's going to be interesting because there is still a lot of talent that won't have been impacted by COVID-19 and I think there will still be benefit in making sure your brand strategies are point to entice them to leave you know from one employer to another I think you know where people have relative levels of job security they'll be less likely to jump ship where they're still employed and um, so I think keeping a positive brand an employer brand is going to be part of that so that people feel like they're joining a growing company with, you know, with cash in the bank and, yeah. and kind of a, and a good future ahead of them. I think for the people that are unemployed and, you know, the people in the marketplace, again, it's, people are going to be looking for companies that have a bright future ahead of them. And so I think the stories have to be around, you know, here's how we've grown and even for us particularly, it's like here's how we've still grown during COVID-19 or, you know, we only furloughed 5% of our organisation and here's how we pivoted to make sure that we um, kept hold of people. So I think companies will still need to tell their stories to make sure that they are attracting the right candidates because there are going to be, the market is going to be flooded so it's how do you make sure you're getting the right candidates applying to you and also once they've applied making sure that you keep them interested because what businesses like ours that are still growing that still have vacancies are still going to be fighting to get the cream of the crop yeah. of what's out there um so it's important that your brand is in a strong position to just attract those candidates naturally
0: that's that's brilliant that's a really good insight and so so you do still think then there's a, there's going to be this sort of layer of um, what we might identify as, you know, top talent that's going to be retained into their existing businesses that, that the brands are still going to want to fight for. And what, what do you see as the best avenues to get the attention uh, and effectively uh, win those candidates over to your business? So, you know, you might, you might have a, a potential candidates that have been in role for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, they've shown incredible loyalty to that company, but, you know, you want to target these guys, right? Because, you know, they've been looked after by their existing businesses. Um, you want to track these guys over. They probably only have a very small window of, I don't know, negativity where they might have a look around. Mm. So, so what ways have you used and what methods have you used in the past to sort of get the attention of the this talent and um, to win them across I know you know Oliver's taken on some amazing talent over the last couple of years uh, especially in the sort of you know senior client areas
1: mm. I think for for us and you know one of the things that I didn't do when we kind of went into COVID-19 which I think a lot of businesses did have to do is I didn't knee jerk and start downsizing the recruitment team because actually what we said was right we're going to split the team into two functions half of you are just going to spend your time pipelining get really get to know the candidates because we know that you know in three months six months it's going to come back. It always works in cycles. So rather than just stopping all recruitment activity, we focus much more on having a proactive approach, calling those candidates that, you know, might have got to final stage with us, but they were pipped, just pipped to the poach, see see how they're doing, check in with them. You all right? What's your career saying? You know, how how is your current employer? What would make you interested? You know, just putting those touch points to keep them interested. So when we do have a role, we're front of mind for actually that guy Tom called me from Oliver and he seemed like a cool place to work I'm gonna gonna tap them up and see what they've got on in the same way that an external recruitment agency would do that they rely a lot on their candidate relationships and to help place them into roles and that's something that I think is really important to get that top talent is to keep your organization front of mind whether it's you know a call from a recruiter perhaps sending them something particularly for the senior candidates anything that reminds them of your brand I think at the moment social media is flooded with everything we've had you know COVID-19 is a constant it's still there it hasn't gone away we've had the protests of Black Lives Matter there's you know everyone's social medias are just buzzing and I think it can be quite difficult for employer brands to get cut through in that but also I think the best candidates will be looking to see how businesses responded to those things. Yeah. And so we, you know, we've been quite public. We mean everything that we've said, but we've been quite public around what we've done, you know, um with, you know, our response to the Black Lives Matter movement. We've been really um open and transparent with our engagement survey, whilst we kind of went into lockdown, how we kept our employees motivated, engaged. And I think you know, I think things like that are the things that will make the difference when you're looking at top talents. How how is your business responding to the current economic climate?
0: Yeah, that is, that is a great response. And and one of the things that I noted uh, when um, you know, especially when coronavirus hit, was that actually what was most powerful to me from an Oliver employer branding point of view, wasn't the glitzy, glamorous content that you guys were putting out there about employer branding. It was actually people who worked for Oliver telling Oliver and their, their network how amazing Oliver has been in looking after their staff mm. and how valued they feel. And I think that level of campaigning costs nothing. Yeah, you, know, you just got to look after your people. And I think that almost sends shivers down my spine. I think that mm. well, the amplification of your own people talking about how they've been looked after by you. I don't think you can have a campaign or media buyer that can speak louder than that personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree.
0: And and moving on to like, you know, what you were talking about with regards to how, you know, your the recruitment team, um, and, and you, you say you say took a a very recruitment approach, which I'd agree with, but actually I think it's also a very sales approach to this mm-hmm. talent. You know, I think I think I think my methodology is that you know marketing methodology needs to come into talent acquisition. Uh, to to build an audience to to create engagement. But actually, once you've got that engagement, I think it moves into almost a sales job whereby if you have people um, in your business nurturing and engaging with the top talent, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may not even be this month, but at some point in time, there will be a window of opportunity where that candidate is either, I don't know, um, <sighs> disillusioned by the business they're working with or feeling demotivated, feeling like they want to change. Now, if your if your team your recruitment team aren't in touch and engaged in that uh, relationship then they're going to be forgotten right so mm. so they're always top of mind to build that that relationship do you, do you think it's um it, do you think there is um m- more than just uh, nurturing that relationship and content plays a role in, in in that awareness piece
1: Oh, yeah absolutely you know people want to go on your instagram if you do have a company Instagram they want to go on your company Instagram and find out what it's really like to to work there you know what are the things that you're doing for your people what's you know for us we we're a creative business who are the brands that we're engaged with so I think content is is really key because that's the stuff that's static you know the relationships play a part in that as well word of mouth and like you said you know having your employees really shouting about you know what it's like to work here that creates content Content as well that generates likes that you know helps amplify your brand onto um other people's social media feeds but you you do have to have the content to do that and um things that we've actually now we've had time to do because we have We do have less roles, you know. Is giving people a snapshot of a day in a life of what a transcreation executive does, and you know, all things that people wouldn't have had. You know, if we tried to get fancy recording equipment when we're all in the office, it was impossible. But we can sit people in front of a Zoom for half an hour, and one of the recruiters can ask some questions, so people get an idea. You know, to your point around the graduates, actually giving the graduates an idea what are some of the types of roles that exist within our organisation, and and what do we look like, Um, and that. That's been particularly helpful as well in markets where perhaps we're not as well known as a business actually saying, you know, here's introducing our German team and, you know, them talking firsthand experience. It's not something that's kind of scripted or written. It's real people and, and real experiences. So I think, you know, content is really important
0: yeah i think um and you know what it made me smile that that if you if you are an advertising when you're a global advertising agency you can't get a film recording kit into your office <laughs> imagine how some of the other employee branding teams are feeling yeah
1: like so, exactly
0: yeah um all right fair enough excellent and and so how um so, so staying on that like sort of theme of sort of marketing and and, and advertising uh, for talent Obviously, there there are lots of avenues now, right? Social media has has come into the play, you know, more and more, um, becoming more and more of a main role when it comes to engaging with talent. You you, previously it was the recruitment relationship that held the candidates. uh, relationship directly and um, and that relationship would then introduce it into into the business whether it be an internal recruitment team or an external recruitment team mm. now content has come to to pass and you know um linkedin obviously 600 million uh, users uh, on linkedin um facebook instagram even tiktok and twitter you know they're, they're playing roles in um creating awareness now um I've, I've, uh, I've got a question for you around where you feel the career site plays a role in all of this because um, is, do you think the career site is um, something that really adds value to the, the candidate journey or do you think now with the, the role of social media um, that people get everything they need from seeing what it's like to work for a company and really the, candidate, the, the career site is more of a landing page than anything else?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the careers site does have a role to play still. It's a kind of window into accessing, oh, here's a link to our Twitter feed, here's our Instagram page. But I think because, you know, the reality with careers pages is, you know, they once they're built, they look absolutely fantastic. But no sooner as you launched it, then the content becomes out of date quickly and quite often they're not as easy to update and you might have to go to yeah. the third party company to get it done whereas your instagram page you know you log in you you've got a new photo within a second yeah. so i think the career sites are important because it gives you access to how you apply for the company you know a bit more about our history help you prep for your interview um all the really important stuff that kind of helps candidate handed I can't speak sorry helps candidates get prepared for yeah. the roles that they might be going into and also you've got more space to write more content there as well yeah. so you can put your job descriptions find out about the benefits but i think that the social media wrapped around that helps to give the richness of what your culture's like because it's yeah. in the moment you know your instagram videos we don't use tiktok i'm, I'm actually ashamed to so sound too old for that but you know for for example your tiktoks your snapchat when the snapchat was called they're kind of the innocence touch that people know oh that place is where i'd want to be
0: yeah yeah interesting because actually it's a really valid point because you know if you think about a company's website you know it's uh it's it's a location in which there is an informative place to tell you about the structure of the company the service they provide the locations they operate in um there might be a few show really type bits and pieces that will again uh, try and engage um, a, a, a potential customer, but it's not something that is updated on a weekly basis. But I find in the employer branding space, mm-hmm. you know, people change all the time. Mm-hmm. And the company evolves so rapidly that that many things have to be taken up and taken down. So regularly, and that's a bit cumbersome to do it with a career website. Mm-hmm. But as you say, social media is just like let's put that online. Let's put that. You can I mean literally you can go live, you know, an an event you might be holding and and show uh, through the lens of someone uh, uh, Oliver what it looks like to be at one of your events or something like that
1: yeah exactly
0: brilliant okay so back back to sort of the the, the power of um the, you know employer branding and, and where that sits um you're growing at an incredible rate still um and um you're going to be looking to hire a number of people in many locations around the world um Previously, um, it was a, a, you know, a bit of a fight to, to win the attention of, of talent, maybe because uh, the business may be early in, into a, a new market or because it's high competitive, highly competitive to, to get talent. But, but with um, sort of, you know, a massive glut of talent coming into the marketplace, what, what does your talent strategy look like over the next you know, couple of months to the end of the year?
1: If I'm honest, our real focus is on our internal talent to the end of this year, making sure that, you know, people are dealing with a lot at the moment and in making sure that we kind of really understand what motivates them, what are their career aspirations, what are the skill sets that we can redeploy people internally as much as possible. Um, in terms of our external talent strategy where we are um, moving into new um disciplines and verticals it's making sure we understand who are the kind of movers and shakers in that space um what are the kind of skill sets and also who would our biggest competitors be in that space so that we can ensure that we are attractive as an employer you know make looking at our benefits package we haven't revised that for a few years so are we still you know cutting edge with our benefits do our people first and foremost want something different and if they do it's likely that you know candidates looking at us will also want that so i think for us our kind of talent strategy is always around who we have at the moment really listening to them and flexing our people strategy based on the feedback of our employees and also making sure that we are building connections um, with key talent in new disciplines that we're moving into and that they know who our key recruiters are. My recruitment team as you know, Leah, split up around vertical. So they each have a specialism to recruit for so they can really get to know um, the marketplace really well and also the candidates within that. Um, so that's kind of our focus to the end of this year, really. And I think as we start coming out of um, COVID-19, hopefully towards the end of this year into next year, we're looking at, you know, have got the right information on our careers page are we putting up enough content on instagram particularly with people working from home you know more often than in an office how do you ensure that you can capture that culture when we're not all together having the big Mm -hmm. events that we would have ordinarily had um and that's where kind of these one-to-one conversations like the one you and I are having are really important because you can still create that content and that richness without necessarily being side by side although it would be nice to have a big party
0: yeah yeah exactly well, <laughs> as you quite rightly put you know it's not all about the parties is it you know not a lot of people it, I, I know you've you've done and maybe you can elaborate on it you've done a great amount of work on um what makes our employees or sorry that's a slip of the tongue our employees my my, my old version coming up what makes the oliver employees uh, tick uh, if you like, and what's most important to them, you had a very specific approach about uh, finding out what is—is is it the Maslow hierarchy of needs you used?
1: Well, yeah, we do. We use um, PECON, which is based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So technology um, being, I don't know if it's because I'm lazy or because, you know, I'm a millennial, if that's what you want to call me. But I think that tech, it can really unlock a lot of power for a people strategy. So we base our whole people strategy and still do around PECON. We do a regular monthly employee engagement survey. So for those those that don't know what
0: PECON is, do you want to give a quick overview?
1: oh yeah sorry it's a it's a um, engagement survey platform but what i like about pecon in comparison to um just giving them a little plug here um, what i like about pecon in comparison to other engagement survey sites is just the quality of the data that comes out of it it's really intuitive and you know i've worked at businesses where the engagement surveys happened once a year and you just had all this data that by the time you'd got around the whole business giving them their feedback it was time to do the engagement survey again whereas actually managers can log on they can see their dashboard they can see what their teams are saying and um, they can download a presentation that's already written for them and um, so we we use that a lot in kind of making key decisions around what's important for our people when it comes to their development their benefits reward and um, whether we're communicating with them enough from a senior leadership perspective Whether their managers are doing a good job for them as a manager um, it's kind of multi-faceted um, and so that's how we kind of build our whole people strategy is entirely around employee feedback
0: which is which is brilliant um and um and this is a global platform right
1: yeah it's global so we currently use it in over 40 markets globally um so it also has some language functionality built into it so people can respond in local languages if they don't speak english but as a kind of master user i can click a button it'll translate what they've said for me that's, that's
0: really, really handy. Really good. yeah so, um, so is there? When it got bringing us back to employer branding, then um, and, and the use of content and marketing to, to attract talent,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, what does does Oliver currently have an employer branding content strategy, or is are you mainly working with the sort of existing recruitment teams and their relationships?
1: Yeah I wouldn't say we have we're not um sophisticated enough yet as a team I I definitely want us to get there so I wouldn't say we have a specific content strategy what we have is the kind of pillars of our people strategy so inclusion and diversity our culture and performance and development so what we try and make sure that we're doing is we're putting out content that really speaks to those areas so for example um you know do people know that we are a diverse employer? When they log on to either our website or our LinkedIn careers page, do they see different people that look like them? So yeah. they can identify themselves with coming to work for us. You know, when we're putting up our job descriptions, have we been really have we put the link to our benefits website so people know what our benefits are that actually we offer flexible working and we offered that before we were kind of in, in this world of everyone working from home so we don't have a kind of really glamorous content strategy we've just tried to base it around what do we already have in place that we can amplify and share with people um and you know there's definitely some gaps in there we're not we're not perfect and um, but we try and kind of take what we've got and where we haven't got anything so for example I think I mentioned earlier in the call our um, in our German market people didn't really know that we actually had quite a decent presence in Germany so we've got our teams in Germany to do some recordings on kind of this is their office and this is what it's like to work for Oliver and kind of why they like to work here and so now we've got more content that we can use to send to candidates whilst they're applying but also that's static on the careers page so that people know okay they are you know they are a serious company because sometimes people don't know that.
0: Well, I think the, the the main themes I'm getting from you there are though and, and the, you know, the, the main reason I'm doing this podcast is that I can talk to people like you in this dialogue. I can publish this and p- people who head up employer brands and, and HR teams for smaller businesses can, can glean some of the experiences that you're giving in here. And the, the main yeah. theme that I'm getting is the fact that it doesn't have to cost a king's ransom to create content to promote mm. your employer brand mm. something as simple as an iphone and 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 allowing your own employees to tell their stories uh, can be uh, as dramatic and and ha- as impressive to a potential candidate as it would be as a a large-scale marketing campaign you don't have to put tens of thousands behind it you just have to tell true stories
1: yeah i, I would 100 percent say that although i would say if you keep your marketing team out of what you're doing it's a little bit easier because you know naturally they want everything to like really be in line with the brand and you know and and that stuff can sometimes slow you down but I think you know finding people within your own department that are interested in it they're interested in creating the content they want to reach out to um your employees and and help get the word out that really makes a difference as well we've got someone in our team that's you know reaching out to the business to help create content and it's it's making a difference having someone that a enjoys it and b can spend some of their time Focusing on it, it means stuff happens.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, speaking uh, sort of the job that I, I do and, and the conversation I have had with a number of employee branding leads and that sort of stuff, is, you know, I find it really hard to work with a company that is effectively got what I see as a thin veneer. You know, they want to talk about diversity and inclusion, they want to talk about uh, all of the, the great things that they do, but they don't really do them in reality. And, you know, you can't market a product like you can only market a product and something that is genuinely and authentically there. Um, and the best teams that I've ever worked with are the ones that just live and breathe it, but just don't know how to talk about it and how to mm-hmm. promote it. And they've got such a rich level of content. There's a, there's a local agency or local, not agency. There's a local, um, uh, finance firm here in Jersey that I was talking to and they, um, they do, um, so much, uh, work for their employees, but they just don't know how to talk about it. So it's almost just like, you know, rich pickings for me really when it comes to amplifying that that sort of uh, brand
1: yeah there's lots of companies that don't know how to start and kind of and that's why um companies like your own are so important because people just don't have the bandwidth and, and nor do they know what's the best place sometimes what yeah. should they be doing
0: yeah no absolutely um i want to talk a little bit about job descriptions
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and uh, i've got a view of job descriptions i think they are long and boring and <laughs> Uh, they're full of copy. Sometimes that's because the ATS that people work with doesn't allow people to be creative. I'm not mm. sure, but but you know I've got this firm belief that you know a picture can tell a thousand words, and and the brain processes video sixty thousand times faster than copy. Mm. Um, so why are jo- why question for you? Why are job descriptions still so copy orientated?
1: because you you know we're creatures of habit aren't we so even though you've got kind of millennials and the other generations coming up behind them that kind of want to do things differently that's all they know right. <laughs> so they just still you know that's how they were hired was buying some by a JD and and so I and also I think when people write job descriptions they kind of they have this habit of like writing like a, it's almost a, i think managers particularly write job descriptions like a shopping list of if they could have you know because typically you write most companies not all will write a job description at the point that they're about to hire someone and it is a bit of a shopping list we need someone that can do this 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 and this and this and suddenly you've got like a page um worth of things where someone would need to be a unicorn with three arms three legs about able to code sing and you know hop on one leg to be able to get the job um and I, and i think that that's part of the problem is you know actually the recruitment team your talent function really needs to be have a good relationship with them to partner with them to say okay do they really need 10 years experience for this job that pays 20 grand a year? Let's face it, they probably don't need it. It's an entry level position. What are the skill sets and the competencies that we could test elsewhere that experience won't necessarily dictate? But I think, yeah. I think it's a journey because people naturally default to experience and that's what goes in the job description. But I think we need to be much more open as, as hiring managers and think, okay, what are some of the, what are some of the past experiences even taking into account life experiences you know work moms that have stayed at home they gain so many different skills from like managing the family accounts and you know managing multiple different kids schedules none of that's taken into account when um, returning moms have had a um, a break from working to raise their families um, and i think that actually we should focus much more on the kind of the competencies rather than past experience I, um... and that's part of the problem with jds it's it's very experience focus some some of the best will have some skills but then you get to the interview process and you know again the hiring manager will be like tell, tell me about a time when you've done this tell me about a time when you've done that um and i think see you don't ever really move away from it
0: no and you know what i can talk with massive empathy empathy for you know mums that come back from maternity leave because you know, in all the markets that we work together on and I manage, you know, there was multiple currencies, there was multiple um, time zones, there was multiple cultures, Mm. but, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sleep deprived and get up at 6am having a two year old scream at me (laughs) and having to get things Mm. ready in time. I can't handle that sort of stuff. (laughs) I just can't do it.
1: Yeah,
0: A whole new set of skills that can be brought into the workplace. Yeah. It's brilliant. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Final one for me. Um, when we talk about uh, employer branding and when you think about employer branding and the most inspirational brands that uh, are out there in the marketplace, what employer brands inspire you?
1: Hmm. Monzo do it well. Um, Monzo do their, their piece well. Um, I think they spend a lot of time at, Um, you know networking events their websites really slick I mean all the things you would expect from a a tech startup really and 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 also their application process I have applied for a job there not to work there but I wanted to understand more what it is um because i'd I'd heard their head of hr speak about it so i was like "Oh, well, let me have a go and see what they actually do um so i like i like the way they um do things i think they have a good employer brand i'm trying not to pick the kind of obvious ones you know like the apples and, and the googles um that, it's give me rare. one so
0: i only asked for one <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: fine I'm thinking it's not often that i can't answer a question leo you've stumped me there and there now i'm go. gonna do a bit of research
0: no you did you, you well you answered it monzo is brilliant brilliant well thank you so much um i really appreciate your time as i said um you um you are an incredible hr business partner and more than that a friend now uh to me and, and massive support um You're now my sort of diversity and inclusion coach as well. (laughs) Uh, So um, uh, I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, um, thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure, pleasure.